Thank you, Brother Robert. Um, uh, I hope you had a good break, sisters. Uh, I did. Um, we come now to the sister lesson, to the last one. I told you already that these two lessons are really, they belong to the same, if you will, module. <clears throat> and um, the two passages, <clears throat> the first one in First Timothy chapter 2, and the uh, scripture passage for this lesson, First uh, Peter 3, 3, and 4, are what I call sister passages. Uh, it is quite interesting and quite striking, I would even say, that these two apostles, the Apostle Paul and the Apostle Peter, when it comes to this matter of the sisters' deportment, uh, demeanor, um, their uh, life of godliness and holiness, and uh, even on the matter of their clothing and dress, um, are consistent, um, almost like they are the saying the same exact things in their own words. Um, <clears throat> sometimes I wonder if they read each other's epistles or or not. For sure, I know that we know that Peter. Um, read Paul's epistles because he made reference to those epistles. But nevertheless, in this teaching, they were uh, utterly consistent, uh, I would even say identical. And this uh, passage that we're going to uh, use in this uh, lesson uh, is First uh, uh, Peter 3, 3 and 4. And um, but I would like to read, uh, starting with chapter 1, uh, excuse me, verse 1 of chapter 3. Uh, yes, uh, you know, in verse 7 here, which is really not part of the scripture reading, it's a uh, verse that um, many of us who, you know, would be invited to a wedding to say something to the uh, the uh, the. Uh, a groom and the bridegroom um, would use, and I don't know how many times I have used this passage to say something at a wedding, where it talks about, you know, husband, <clears throat> um, husbands uh, dwell together with uh, the wife according to knowledge, as with a weaker vessel, female vessel, assigning honor to them, uh, as so as to follow, uh, so they can be uh, um, fellow heirs of the grace of life, that your prayers may not be hindered. I think this is a very familiar passage to us. And of course, uh, this follows uh, what uh, was said uh, earlier uh, concerning the woman's side, uh, how they um, should be subject to their own husband's. And uh, the context here is in verse 6 uh, about Sarah, uh, who obeyed Abraham, Abraham, calling him Lord. And uh, so the, the, the context, again here, uh, sisters, is on the uh, marriage life, the marriage life. But, however, uh, uh, these few verses, the three, uh, these two verses, actually three and four, concerns not only uh, the wife of a husband, but really it can be very, very aptly applied to all the sisters in the church life. But I like to read this starting with verse one. In like manner, wives, be subject to your own husbands, that even if any disobey the word, they will be gained without the word through the manner of life of their wives, seeing with their own eyes your pure manner of life in fear. Now, what I want to stress in reading these two extra verses is this phrase, manner of life. 
So this exact is exactly what I talked about in the first, the previous lesson. <clears throat> that is, <clears throat> all this matter of adornment of our dress, of our clothing, what have you, eventually is just is an expression, albeit a very important expression of the condition, a certain condition within this sister or this person. And so here, that is how this passage started, with much attention paid to the manner of life of a wife who happened to be married to a husband who disobeyed the word of God. I don't know whether this is an unbeliever or what, I don't know. But in this case, the, the, what Peter was saying that um, this wife uh, may, not be, uh, may not be able to gain this husband uh, with the word, but she can gain the husband by the manner of her life, <clears throat> by her living as a testimony, a convincing testimony to her unbelieving husband. So, uh, sisters, this really uh, strengthens the point how important our outward expression is. And I don't mean just the way we clothe ourselves, of course, includes that. But in our walk, in our conduct, in the way we um, um, comport and deport ourselves, in our demeanor, in just all around the way we are. All these qualities that befits a saint, a female saint of God, that befits a godly woman, all right? That befits a proper sister in the church. Um, they they apply to all the, the sisters um, across the board. Um, <clears throat> now, um, before I get into the outline, which I will do now, uh, I'd like to give you another six words. I gave you six. Um, I hope you can memorize them, the first six, but I'm, I'm going to give you another six based on these few verses here. Um, and also based on the ministry. Number one, <clears throat> incorruptible and valuable. That's a pair. Incorruptible and valuable. Valuable is taken um, from this word costly. Costly, <clears throat> something that is very costly in the sight of God. And the second two pair is meekness and quietness. Meekness and quietness. Of course, these are description of the condition uh, of our the hidden man of the heart, which we this we're going to get into that. The third. Two are not in this passage, but they are in the ministry. I think it's a very, very wonderful part of the uh, uh, ministry uh, on these uh, verses. And that is glory and beauty. Glory and beauty. Again, referring to the garments, the uh, the outward expression, right? Um <clears throat> Uh, that we have. All right. Now, uh, with that, let us just uh, get into this uh, this uh, outline today. Um, <clears throat> the adorning of the hidden man of the heart. Now we talk about an inner adornment. As we're talking about outward adornment, we are now... <clears throat> um, we must talk about the inner adornment. And this is how Peter spoke about such an adornment. It is the adornment of the hidden man of the heart, a meek and quiet 
spirit. Uh, you know, if in the first lesson, uh, modesty and sobriety are the top female virtue or virtue of a sister, then in this lesson, meekness and quietness of spirit must be this sister's glory and beauty. <clears throat> Roman 1, First Peter 3, 3 says, who is adorning, um, well, I actually have not uh, continued, finished my reading. Verse 3, let your adorning not be the outward plating of hair and putting on of gold or clothing uh, with garments, but the hidden man of the heart in the incorruptible adornment of a meek and quiet spirit, which is very costly in the eyes, in the sight of God. Verse 5, For in this manner formerly the holy women also who hoped in God adorned themselves being subject to their own husbands. Do you see here? Just like Paul, uh, uh, Peter just kind of switched back and forth between the outward physical adornment or clothing with the inner adornment, the inner condition. He just liked talking about the same thing. Because in a very good sense, sisters, these are the same things. These two things should be what? Should match. They should fit one another, the inside and the outside, all right? The outward appearance and the inward situation. They they reflect one another. They affect one another. Um, <clears throat> okay, I think that is good enough uh, uh, for us to, you know, scriptures for us to, to read here. Um All right. Um, you know, here I I feel like I've jumped over to, to almost to the end of this uh, this uh, outline to say something here as a principle. You know, dear sisters, we're here talking about a holy life. You know, the church life, the Christian life, should be a life of holiness or a holy life. That means a life in sanctification. What does that mean? Holiness or sanctification? It means to set apart, to be separate, right? To be set apart from what is common. Positionally and also dispositionally. When we were saved by the Lord, when we receive uh, the Lord into us, the Holy One came into all of us, the Holy God, with his holy nature. And with all of his holy virtues, uh, I mean attributes. And holiness is one of the top virtues of God. Holy, holy, holy. He's not common. He's not worldly. He is just different. He is apart from all of that. He is just the Holy One. There's the um, objective aspect of this holiness or positional aspect, and that is after we receive the Lord, being a Christian, we are saints now. We are the Holy Ones. That's what the word saints means. We're separated positionally. Uh, We have a holy life the divine life within us. And not only from that point, we are separated and we should be separated from the world and from everything common. What is sinful, what is worldly, what is earthly, unto God. Now we belong to God. Now we're on the altar. Am I right? We have left our previous life and previous position to be in this new position as saints. 
But also what? Also, this life, holy life within us, started to do a work. And that is the work, according to God's economy, of dispensing. This life, not only this holy one, and this holy life not only came into our spirit, but this one desires to spread from our spirit to our soul, eventually to permeate our soul, to saturate our soul, to transform our soul with this holy life, with his holy nature. And this dispensing work is what we call the process of sanctification. The process of being made holy, not only positionally, but dispositionally. So day after day, what should be taking place in all of us, sisters? That is a sanctifying process. The Lord is sanctifying us every day, every moment, by filling us, our being, more with himself by our soul being renewed and transformed so that our being would be sanctified. And one day, one day, uh, when the Lord comes, even our bodies, our outward bodies will be made holy by his life, by his holy life. Now, this sanctifying... Uh, in the Old Testament type with the garment that they have to prepare or make for Aaron, the high priest. And by the way, this matter of what we wear or our garment, okay, it is very, very important uh, in the Old Testament related to the priesthood which means related to our service to the Lord, what we wear. And remember, I'm not just talking about physically what we wear, although that's an expression, but our living, that's what we wear. Our clothing simply is our living, our expression, our daily conduct, right? The way we comport or deport ourselves. All of this, a whole chapter in Exodus is spent on the garment, all the details of the garment of what? Of the high priest. You you have to, if you have the time, sisters, you should go read and study that. I think chapter 28, something like that of Exodus, in great detail. And there, and uh, if you read uh, various uh, verses, um, There and also, I believe, in Leviticus and so on, uh, related to this matter, you will see that the this garment, number one, this garment is sanctified by two things. Number one, by the blood. By the blood. The, the, uh, 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 from the animals, right? And we know that that is for redemption. <clears throat> That is for our objective righteousness. It is also sanctified by the anointing oil, the holy anointing oil. And by applying this oil to the garment, it sanctifies it. And this holy anointing oil refers to what? The spirit, the compound, all-inclusive spirit of Jesus Christ. Which spirit? have come into our spirit, right? And so today, this spirit's work work is subjective, whereas the blood's work is more for our objective sanctification. This work of the spirit is for our subjective um, um, sanctification, for us to be made holy also, in our nature, as God is holy. That's why it says, be holy as I am holy. Today, this can really be fulfilled. 
because the holy nature is working it out from within us. But there's also a word that says that this sanctified garment that would be put upon the priest, that garment also sanctifies the priest in his service. Now that, so besides the blood, besides the spirit, you also have what this outward kind of a expression, this garment, which is a holy one, which is a holy one, which is the result of the blood and the oil, you may say. This expression or this living, <clears throat> this holy life or conduct also sanctifies the person so that this person can fulfill his priesthood or his service. Now, if we apply it today, dear sisters, this means that not only we have the blood, not only we have the spirit that we enjoy, but our living, even our living, should have a practical effect to sanctify us, to set us apart, to make us holy for the church service, for the service of the holy priesthood. And we know, dear sisters, today in the church, we're all priests in this priesthood serving. Every one of us is a priest and every one of us should be serving. But what will make our service truly holy, I tell you, it's our living. The proper, genuine, holy living, the living out of Christ in practical daily life is what will sanctify our service and make it holy. That is that to make it well-pleasing and acceptable to God. I hope that little word would inspire you, dear sisters, that is, has inspired us, has inspired me, these few points, in how I should live my life in the church. All right, let's come. First Peter 3, 3 says, Who's adorning, let it not be the outward plating of the hair and putting on of gold or clothing with garments. A, women's hair was intended by God for their glory <clears throat> and a sign of their submission. I will not spend much time here on this matter of women's hair and so on. We have a full lesson or two on this subject. I think if you want to find it, you can get it. I have spoken on this in other lessons in this series. It's a great matter concerning the hair of the woman. Uh, uh, you know, this is based on, of course, First Corinthians chapter uh, 11 there, <clears throat> on the matter of God's order and God's government and authority. You know, this matter of head covering, this matter of the hair, and so on, touches actually uh, God's government and authority in this universe. But just suffice it to say, the hair of a, uh, a woman um, is for the women's glory, all right, for her expression. And also, at the same time, it is a sign of their submission. The, the hair of the woman is a sign of their submission. So the women would wear their hair long, showing that they are in submission. <clears throat> B, but it was abused by many, especially by those who live in the luxurious and corrupt life of the Roman Empire at the time of this epistle to beautify their lustful flesh by its extravagant adornment with gold and other costly things. You see, this is very much the same as what Paul spoke in 1 Timothy. That's the culture at the time. See, Christian wives, as holy women, should absolutely abstain from this 
God condemned matter. So this is the consistent teaching of the apostles um, regarding um, the holy women or the sisters. Roman 2. In 1 Peter 3 4, Peter goes on to say, but the contrast is coming, huh? But the hidden man of the heart in the incorruptible adornment of a meek and quiet spirit, which is very costly in the sight of God. So here, sisters, it is uh, very clear that Peter's making a comparison. On the one hand, you have this extravagant, uh, luxurious adornment of those uh, ladies and of those times with costly jewelry and things and so on. Over here, then over here, you have godly and holy women, the sisters. Um, they adorn themselves also. And they adorn themselves with something costly also. I use the word valuable. I would even use the word priceless. But what is that? That is not these things you put on yourselves. That is, in fact, something inside. The hidden man of the heart, the meek and quiet spirit. I just, I just, I don't know. I just, again, treasure these words very, very much, even though I'm a brother. Um, Sisters, don't we want to have something that is dear, that is costly, that is valuable uh, in God's eyes rather than in man's eyes. This should be our heart. Something hidden for God to see rather than something, right, exposed for just men to admire. A. Our heart is composed of all the parts of our soul, mind, emotion, and will, and of the main part of our spirit, the conscience. We know that. One, among all these, our spirit is the center. Hence, our spirit is the hidden man of the heart. You know, this is a very particular uh, phrase, the hidden man of the heart. So you have the heart here, right? The heart is just our person with our soul uh, and also with the conscience. And within this heart is something hidden there. It's a man. It's a person hidden in our heart. And who is this person? What is this person? This person, this, um, this hidden man is simply what? our mingled spirit, our human spirit regenerated by the divine spirit and now becoming this mingled divine human spirit. That is the hidden man. This is the man that outside people cannot see, but God is always watching this man. The hidden man, number two, is in contrast to the outward plating, putting on, and clothing in 1 Peter 3.3, 3, and a meek and quiet spirit in, um, in contrast to hair, gold, and garments. You see, uh, so sisters, I, I, I repeat myself, I, I'm not that burdened in these lessons to talk about what we should wear, not wear, and things like this. I just don't have that much burden there. My burden is what we wear inside, what we put on inside, what we clothe ourselves inside, how we adorn ourselves on the inside. 
the preciousness of this inside adornment is a meek and quiet spirit, not these things so glittery, expensive. You know what I mean. <clears throat> but something so so beautiful to the eyes of God. Three, the wife's adornment before God should be their inner being, the hidden man of their heart, which is their spirit, in meekness and quietness. I don't know what to say about this. You know, when you see something, you just see it. It's just there. Do you know what I'm saying? Uh, If it's not there, it's not there. And they are just sisters in the Lord where you, when you're meeting with them or in their presence or fellowshipping with them, whatever, you sense such things. You you sense that you see that inner beauty or adornment. And that comes from deep inside, all right? It's not a show. It's not a performance. You know, it's not a makeup right, so to speak. It is something that is genuine from the inside. And it flows. And it is expressed in so many things on the outside. There's an air, A-I-R, about it. You, You could not put your finger on it, but there's an air that is very, very real. And that air, or that you know, expression actually ministers life to you and even has a sanctifying effect on you. Yes, I'm not making this up. This is really the case. You touch the grace. You touch the Lord. You touch the virtuous Christ. You touch something that how a man should be according to God made him, the way that God made him. You touch something of from another source. You touch something that is, all you can say is, this is holy. This is different. This is God. You just sense that. Okay, let's go on. Uh, Number five. uh, A spirit that has become meek and quiet is the kind of adornment that should be possessed by all Christian wives. Now, this word become, I think, uh, uh, denotes a kind of exercise, I would say. In other words, you're not born with such a thing. Your spirit is not just automatically meek and quiet. You have to nurture, you have to cultivate such a spirit within you. And I do encourage all the sisters to do that. Over time, that... You, have, you are possessed of such a hidden man, such a condition of your spirit inside that is full of meekness and quietness. And let us see what that is. Be, according to First Peter 3, the most beautiful part of our being, even brothers, not just sisters, the most beautiful part of our being, the prettiest adornment, prettiest adornment, in the sight of God, is a meek and quiet spirit. One, this is the hidden man of the heart. This uh, point shows that our spirit is the deepest part of our being. Sisters, if you do not use your spirit, if you do not spend time in your spirit, if you do not live by your spirit, and walk according to that spirit, then 
there would be no there would be no exercise and there would be no becoming. It is when we learn to live by our spirit, to live in our spirit, to walk in spirit, and also to what to get to know our spirit. You see, to touch our spirit. Because this spirit is no longer just an empty spirit, the Lord is with our spirit. The Lord Jesus is there, the beautiful one, the pretty one, if you will, with all of his attributes and virtues. Sweet virtues are all there. If we spend time with him, we dwell there. We're used to being there. And following that, we would have the proper dealing of our spirit. Yes, the spirit also need to be dealt with. Then we cannot have a meek and quiet spirit. Um, <clears throat> this comes from from learning. I like the word in the last uh, passage in of First uh, Timothy. Learn. Paul told the sisters to learn. You know, don't think we don't need to learn. We we are Christians. We everything is spontaneous. Yes, the law of life operates in us in an automatic and spontaneous way. No doubt about that. It's not up to our human striving or we trying to change ourselves. That's for sure. That is for sure. But what, uh, sisters? God works in the principle of incarnation, and that is whatever he does, it requires our cooperation with him. That is the where the learning comes from, where the learning comes from. All right? We need to learn, sisters, to have a meek and quiet spirit. Number three, uh, two, so if we are going to be pretty in the eyes of God, we have to be pretty from the depths of our being. We should not be pretty just outwardly in a physical way. You know, I tell brothers, you know, when brothers seek counsel from me about how to find a mate, you know, how to find a sister or so on. I always tell them, brother, let me just tell you, don't just look for outward beauty. More than that, you should look for the inward beauty. The outward beauty will change, as we all know. Right? It will not always be there. But the inward beauty is lasting. And when I say inward beauty, I'm talking about a beautiful spirit. I'm talking about the hidden man, the beautiful hidden man. All right? Um, Sisters should be pretty from the depths of their being, not just physically or outwardly. but in the hidden man. This man is hidden from the eyes of man, but it is not hidden from the eyes of God. God does not look at the outside. God only looks at the inside, always. He searches the inward parts. He's a knower of our heart. That is who we really are are and what we really are is in our on the inside because such a hidden man there is a meek and quiet spirit is pretty in the eyes of god see one serious lesson for wife to learn wives to learn well let me just say something what is meek meekness what is to be meek meek means moderate means it doesn't fight back. It doesn't retaliate. 
Meeks means you don't engage yourself in disputation and quarreling. You see, this is meekness. This is one of the top virtues. We have modesty and we have sobriety in the last lesson. In this lesson, the what? The costly and valuable virtues are meekness and quietness. Paul, even Paul say, shall I come to you with a rod or shall I come to you with a what? Spirit of meekness. Even the apostle Paul, the man, he say, I want to come, uh, should I come to you with a spirit of meekness? There's a certain thing there about the meekness of the spirit. And later on elsewhere, you will find This meekness eventually is the meekness of Christ. The Lord in Matthew 11 says, what? Come to me, for I am, what? Meek and lowly in heart. Learn of me. See, the characteristic of the Lord Savior as a man was his meekness. He never fights. You never, you know, retaliate, I use this word. Um, he's just, just meek. Blessed are the meek. Isn't that the Lord's word? Blessed are the meek. It's a great, great thing to have a meek spirit. Quiet spirit. Quiet means you are not just noisy. You're not just uh, busy. You know, by the way, you also have to go to First Timothy chapter 5 that talks about widows. Older widows, younger widows. And Paul warned the younger widows that they would not become busybodies. Huh? Just going around to houses and talk and with nothing else to do. That is surely someone without a quiet spirit or a spirit of quietness. And all this, all this gives you a portrait of a condition of submissiveness. One serious lesson for wives to learn is not to argue, not to exchange words with their husbands. The sisters need to realize that when they exchange words with their husbands, they do not have a meek and quiet spirit. Well, the context here is about marriage. And uh, the Lord knows how burdened I am for the marriages of the saints, because the marriage is the basic unit uh, according to God's ordination, Uh, not only in human uh, society, but so much the more in the church life, in our church community. So when the uh, the marriages of the saints uh, are not solid, are not healthy, are not proper and strong, it's hard to have a strong and healthy church life. It has to start with our marriage and in our family, then the church. So this is speaking to the wives. There will be words for the husbands, but this is a word to the wives to do the best to maintain such a spirit. But if as a Christian wife, a sister maintains a meek and quiet spirit, she will not lose her temper and she will not even exchange words with her husband. I know this is not easy, I I absolutely understand that. Um, But anyway, anyway, um, this is a good thing, right? This is a very, very helpful thing, even to have a good marriage, a harmonious marriage. You know how, sisters, a lot of eventually major problems that come into a marriage starts with the exchange of words, 
arguments. And over time, it just, what? It just pulls that relationship apart. So don't think words are not important. Our speech, you know, our words belies or uh, betrays our inward condition. When we're not meek and quiet outside, that means we have, we're not meek and quiet within. Two, knowing the situation of married life from experience and observation, Peter charges the wives to adorn themselves with a meek and quiet spirit. So I guess Paul never got married, so he didn't talk about husband and wife. But Peter, when, in, when he got into this matter of adornment, he talked to the wives in a marriage. Three, we need to see the principles concerning Christian attitude towards clothing. Now, this is just a general uh, part concerning clothing, and it is all lifted from the ministry of Brother Watchman Nee. I believe it is in the series called Lessons for the New Believers or something like that. There's a whole chapter on clothing um, that these points are taken from. Very useful. I'll just read over them. The principle of clothing is for covering. Christians should not wear any clothing which does not cover them. B, there should be a clear distinction between males and females. The Bible forbids men to wear women's clothing and vice versa. Anything that confuses the distinction in gender does not glorify God. Well, you have to read that verse in Deuteronomy that make this point very clear. All right. Today in our society is just nothing but confusion of the gender. Um, and of course, the earlier point that um, once Adam and Eve, they ate the, that tree of knowledge, good and evil, their eyes got open and they see the nakedness, right? And then that's when they uh, begin, men begin to have need covering um, for their shame. <clears throat> it's for covering. That's the point. Clothing is to cover. Clothing, the first thing about clothing is to make us look uh, uh, pretty. The first purpose of clothing is to cover us. <clears throat> C, our clothing must be sealed with the mark of holiness. There should be a mark um, on our clothing that spells holiness. So when they see you wear that clothing, um, there is that sense of holiness there. There should be the seal of the Holy Spirit, the seal of the anointing oil, even on our clothing. You know, in Leviticus 8, it talks about, you know, Moses taking some anointing, holy anointing oil and blood. I mentioned that uh, in the last lesson or earlier this lesson and sprinkle it on Aaron and on its garments and on his sons, Aaron's sons and on their garments. And he, by doing that, he sanctified Aaron, his garments and his sons and his sons' garments with him. What does that mean? This means when uh, not only should our uh, uh, inner being be sanctified, be holy, but our living, our outer being, our, our, our living, our clothing, our expression should also be holy should also be holy, should also be sanctified. There should be a mark there. D, there's a one basic principle of Christian clothing. God has given everyone the freedom to wear what they like. We're free to choose the materials we like and to pick the styles we prefer. E, however, we should take note of one thing. No one should wear anything that draws attention to their clothes rather than to their person. F, another matter needs special attention a person's clothes should match their status. Do not dress too poorly and do not dress too well. 
Others should not feel that we are too much or too poor in our attire. Our clothing must glorify the Lord. So we should just really mirror uh, in a um, um, proper way. We just just should wear something in a moderate manner. Um, nothing excessive. Nothing that draws attention. Um, I don't mean sloppy. I don't mean you know to be just old-fashioned, so to speak. But I think, sisters, you understand what we are talking about here. In the end, in the end, even our clothing should glorify the Lord. G. Furthermore, our clothing should not arouse our own consciousness. Some people are always conscious of what they wear. This means that something is wrong with their attire. I just refer that lesson to you uh, in the lessons for the new believers. There, okay. The next numeral. While God does not give specific instructions on how to dress, two principles are presented: our clothing must be proper, and our clothing must not be extravagant. A We dare not say that there is a specific standard for what is proper, so we don't have that in the church life. We don't. But regardless of where we are or what we're doing, we have an inward sense. Now that is important, sisters. Everything we do, we have to do by the inner sense of life. That is the sense of the Lord in our spirit. Life has a sense. Absolutely, and when we do something, we have a sense of death. We have a sense of no peace. We should stop doing that. Even in the matter of our clothing, this is very, very practical. B. While it may be more difficult in determining whether or not a particular garment is extravagant, we each have an inner, inward sense of what is extravagant and what is not. It is better for us not to talk about others, right, or criticize, or this or that. Let us all take care of ourselves. C. Under the new covenant, God does not give us dead ordinance after dead ordinance concerning every matter. Instead, He imparts His living law of life inside of us, so that we know what to do with respect to every matter. May we be willing to follow His inner leading, inward leading. In the matter of clothing and adornment, now we come to the last Roman numeral five. This is a wonderful conclusion to this lesson and also to this morning's word. Christ is our beauty given by God to us to be put on us as our clothing, our glorious dress. The point here is very simple, dear sisters. Very simple. In the end, our real covering, our real clothing, our real adornment, and our real beauty and glory—glory glory as in expression—should just be Christ. So when people see us, they see Christ. What they admire. In us should be Christ. Our expression should be Christ, but not Christ in the heavens or even Christ in us, but Christ expressed through us. Christ lived out in us. So this is this is possible, very very possible. I believe many sisters are doing that. Our beauty, our glorious dress, is Christ Himself. So we just need to put Him on. You know, it says, "Put off the old man, put on the new man," and this new man is simply Christ.
Let us not just be filled with this Christ or receive this Christ. Let us live out this Christ and put him on as our real glory and beauty before God. Only Christ is acceptable to God. Only Christ is well-pleasing to the Father. A, the Lord Jesus is the genuine beauty. You have even these wonderful verses, even a hymn there that you can sing concerning how beautiful Christ is, how beautiful the Lord Jesus is. After all, it's that beauty that attracted us to still pursue him now. He is our genuine beauty. One, we should take Christ uh, as our beauty. I love this. (laughs) Take Christ as our beauty. My, my, my. Um, all the saints are beautiful because they have Christ. And the more substance of Christ they possess, the more Christ is expressed in their living. I tell you, my goodness, the church is a beautiful thing. Eventually, the church will be that queen to Christ the king. He'll be married to to Christ. And that's in, you know, Psalm 45, talking about that another garment. I mentioned that already in the last lesson in in, uh, Revelation chapter 19. The righteousness of the saints to meet the requirement of Christ for their marriage. You know, sisters, when we talk about these things about adornment and clothing, this actually has something to do with the wedding feast, something to do with our being, our marriage to the Lord, something, in other words, to do with our being his overcomers today. It is far from just regulations, do this and don't wear this and don't wear that. No, it has, it, it's not just that. It has to do with <clears throat> our relationship with the Lord and our being his wife. <clears throat> Two, our only beauty is the shining out of Christ. Oh my, I love this from within us. What Christ appreciates in us is the expression of himself. Um, I, I'm, I, have no, I have no better words than this. When Christ shines out from a sister, that's beautiful. That is just beautiful. And Christ himself actually appreciates in us his expression. That expression is not just he, but that expression is he being born by us, worn by us. You know, eventually that garment in Exodus 28, prepare for the priest, is simply Christ in every aspect. The scarlet, the blue, the gold, all of that is just different aspects of Christ uh, in his divine aspect and in his, what, human aspect, in, in detail. You know, we should just read the Gospels to see how the Lord Jesus lived. And that's how beautiful he was and how glorious he was. Today, for us, to be like Christ, to become Christ, to live as Christ lived, to become his duplication, simply means what? That today 
we would become as beautiful and glorious as he is. B, when we live Christ for his magnification by the bountiful supply of the spirit of Jesus Christ. That's Philippians 1, right? Paul says, for me to live is Christ. Whether life in life or death, to magnify Christ in my body. Paul said that, in my body, on his body. That means outwardly, people can actually see Christ enlarged, magnified in this little man, Paul. The only way he could do that is by the bountiful supply of the Spirit of Jesus Christ. Christ becomes our expression, our holy garments, to be our glory and our beauty. Oh, saints, let us enjoy this Christ. Let us be joined to this Christ. Let us be filled with this Jesus until he overflows from us, until he is expressed through us. We have our holy garments. Every day, let's put on our holy garments (laughs) for our glory and our beauty. To have Christ as our glory means to express Christ's divinity with the divine attributes. And to have Christ as our beauty means to express Christ's humanity with the human virtues. Glory refers to Christ's divinity. And beauty refers to Christ's humanity. Today, we have both in this one. We just need to live him out. Amen. Actually, I stop earlier. I think this is quite good enough. <clears throat> so please, sisters, uh, spend much time, even on this particular Roman numeral. Very, very nourishing and very, very enlightening. But both lessons uh, in the coming days with one another. I thank you for this opportunity to share with you. Amen.